0: This is The Granite Beat, a podcast where we highlight New Hampshire journalists, ask them about recent stories they've published, and about what it's like to cover their corner of this small and interesting state. I'm Julie Hart, and I'm here with Adam Drapshow. That's me. Our guest today is Gary Jeffroy, who has over 40 years of experience in photography, as well as 12 years of freelancing in photography and videography for news outlets. He moved to the Lakes Region full-time five years ago, and has been contributing to media in the Lakes region for over a year. Welcome, Gary.
1: Thank you. Gary, could you tell us how you got into journalism, uh, photography rather, and then how you transitioned from, uh, made the, the subtle shift from photography into journalism?
2: I started uh after high school, as a firefighter, I spent over 30 years mm-hmm. as, a, as a firefighter in Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. And our family had always owned a school photography business. So even through the, the years working as a firefighter, I always worked for the family business. About 22 years ago, my wife and I purchased a family business and my parents retired. We specialize in school photography only, K through 12. So we have lots of sports, action pictures, um, plays, chorus, mm-hmm. drama productions, and as well as the portrait end of it. We have a few staff photographers and office staff, and that's how the photography end of it started. I had started a Twitter account, and this quite a few years ago, and happened on to an ice rescue, and was stopped near it, and shot some video and put it on my Twitter account. And one of the local TV stations in Rhode Island messaged me and asked me if I wanted to sell it. Well, I said, sure. They offered a fair amount. And... So back and forth, they called me back for some billing questions and asked them, Do you, you know, is this a regular thing? They said, Yeah, it's called stringer video. And my daughter, my youngest daughter, had just started college. And uh, I thought, wow, what a great way that would be to help her out with some of that. Yeah. And uh, it went from shooting video on DSLRs to regular uh, breaking news uh, hard drive cameras uh, three nights a week for five years. Wow. And uh, ultimately ended up with a very small Twitter account that had went to twelve thousand plus followers, and all the news outlets in New England, and ultimately sold to um, NBC mm-hmm. nationwide, MSNBC, Today Show, um, right. the Weather Channel, um, and of course to all the affiliates in Rhode Island: ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, NECN boston affiliates have, have purchased it just it really turned into something quite large
1: that's very interesting so almost by accident do you think that you had any interest in doing it before you got that um... i had an
2: interest in helping my daughter reduce her college debt oh, okay. <laughs> debt load yeah and uh that's just that's just the way it came about it just i mean i i Captured it at three nights a week. It, it was overnights, yeah. and and it wasn't it wasn't ideal. It was the areas of the metropolitan Providence area where the regular uh-huh. um, crews, news crews, were not fond of being. And uh, I, I I think I was it, it worked for me to be able to listen to the radios as with my experience as a firefighter for so many years. We've mm-hmm. always had a scanner on in the house. You know, even when you're off duty, you have it on just to hear what's going on. Yeah. And uh, you learn the little different nuances of how things are dispatched or mm-hmm. the communications back and forth between uh, either the fire crews on scene or police officers are on scene mm-hmm. and what's being said. And it's just uh, a lot of people listen to a scanner and they can't decipher what's yeah. being said. And, uh, and fortunately, I'm able to. And it's uh, it's worked out well
1: that's interesting I don't think I've ever thought about it before but I think that uh, listening to a scanner is a skill unto itself
2: for most people it's a foreign language <laughs> literally
1: <laughs> yeah uh, so do you uh, so how would you actually approach it then would you would it literally be just be listening to your scanner and being ready to run out the door at any moment
2: so I would head out at about nine o'clock at night um, all the news gathering equipment, extra batteries, a bulletproof vest. <laughs> yeah, huh. it was it was pretty sporty work. Huh. And um, I would go to an area in the city of Providence that had easy access to Route uh, Interstate 95 north and south, so you could pretty much you know be anywhere very quickly. Um, I was fortunate that the area had uh, unsecured high speed internet. And I would just listen to the radios. I would get my studio work done while I was sitting listening to the radios. I would edit our sports images and huh. and and those kinds of things while I was sitting there. And and any given night, you would go to two or three different incidents. It's mm-hmm. um, depending on the news cycle of the day. They may take something as as simple as a, as a basic rollover without any serious injuries, or if the news cycle of the day was large nationally. Um, you would need something you know something a little bigger um, mm-hmm. to be able to sell what just about every single night I sold one or two wow. different incidents that took place and you would just travel to it and uh, shoot the video, go back. and uh, I was fortunate in the sense that I didn't have to edit, but mm-hmm. I always provided um, the backstory mm-hmm. to the incident what was heard over the radio that uh, that will allow their staff to look into, um, whatever incident, type of incident was a little further, and they just absolutely loved that because they really hadn't had that type of information provided before. You know what was heard firsthand, yeah. what transpired, what was seen, and and uh, they would they would submit it uh, through Dropbox
1: uh-huh.
2: with no editing, and uh, they say, "Yeah, we're taking it," and it was just literally as easy as that.
1: Well, so were you? Um... Were you continuing to post it to Twitter first, or would you shoot the 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 reel and then um, and then reach out to the directly to the media outlets?
2: All of the local producers, um, news editors follow follow the Twitter account. So I would do a camera phone uh, image. Mm-hmm. And I quickly learned that you probably should watermark that. So I would watermark them okay. and uh, post it with a very brief description mm-hmm. and just put uh, video available, stringer video available, video available. Okay. And uh, start getting texts before I even left. You know, we want this, we want that. And I would try to, if I received texts from three of the four media outlets or, or a Boston outlet, I would try to box that coverage differently for each of them huh. and uh, so you really don't want to uh, abc and nbc to be reeling really, uh, showing the same exact reels that you got so i wow. try to keep it a little different and they appreciate that as well
1: so you could sell footage from the same incident to three or four different media outlets yes all right yes this is some real uh we're we're, we're putting together some real uh, good money-making strategies here for anyone that's listening it doesn't work in New Hampshire, in
2: case you're wondering. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> the, the network affiliate in New Ham- affiliate in New Hampshire does not buy a string of video.
1: Okay, all right. Well, for those of our listeners in Rhode Island uh, and <laughs> Massachusetts, uh, you know this will be valuable information. Um, so when you uh, when you approach uh, this sort of visual work, uh, photo video journalism, photojournalism. Versus your studio photography, is, are there any parallels? Is there any crossover in how you approach the work, or is there are these completely different animals?
2: It's similar uh, to an extent. When you a lot of the high school sports today, the officials don't allow flash photography, mm-hmm. so it's high, high ISO photography, mm-hmm. um, low speed, um, low shutter speed, mm-hmm. and uh, low f stop So you when you get into uh, nighttime fires.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And um, a play,
1: mm-hmm.
2: for example, mm-hmm. very very similar. You know, you have you have areas of, of bright light, you have a lot of dark. You're trying to balance the two out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's there are there are parallels.
1: Okay, so get to know those uh, those high SOs, low f stops on your on your camera uh, to be able to do this kind of work. Um, how was it making that transition? to New Hampshire from out of out of the market
2: I didn't even really think about we've owned our home here for 21 years the last five we've lived here full-time and uh and in the beginning I really didn't think about it and, mm-hmm. and I was kind of had a little extra time our, our school photography business is traditionally very slow in the winter mm-hmm. and uh had a little extra time and uh I'm not really sure what would have motivated me to reach out. I don't think I had anything to share with you at the time. I think I had just given you a call.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah.
2: Asked uh asked if you know there was any interest in any breaking news video. My thought was there was not a lot of breaking news coverage in the Laconia Daily Sun. Yeah. And uh thought
1: I might be able to use some. It sounds like you had was it something that you missed doing when you relocated here? No. <laughs> Just looking it's, to a, busy.
2: it's a lot of cold nights it's, yeah. it's sometimes it's leaving when you don't want to leave yeah um sometimes it's very inconvenient sometimes it's very unproductive yeah um with the, with the freelance stringer end of it um you can go out and spend an hour and a half mm-hmm. at a at a, a fire or an or an accident or something and you can hang around to, to get the story, to get the backstory on what happened or any, any kind of other pertinent information. You can submit it all. And something really big happened at a city council meeting the next before the night the night before that runs and there's no room for your story. Hmm. So it's it's um it's nice when something sells and sometimes it makes up for the stuff that doesn't. But uh it's to say I missed it, I'm not really sure. It was uh <laughs> In Rhode Island, as I did it for five years until my daughter graduated uh, college uh-huh. and I uh, produced a significant amount of money for her. Um, and it all went to, to her tuition and and uh, room and board and that type of thing. Um, it was a lot of late nights with very little sleep. I'd get home at five in the morning, uh-huh. nap for a couple hours, and and head out for, for the work for the studio or fire department stuff. And uh, huh. five years of that is... Uh,
1: Wear on you. <laughs> yeah I can imagine. Um, what would you say is the right kind of person for this kind of work?
2: For freelance specifically for stringer type work or news photography itself?
1: Well I was thinking but, about the news photography the breaking news photography and videography uh, but I guess also for freelancing as well.
2: Almost everybody I knew in the Rhode Island market that Freelance stringer news uh-huh. transitioned into full-time staff photographers for the different uh, news outlets that were there. As a matter of fact, all of them did. Hmm. Um, that that had a decent amount of talent and were capable and uh-huh. and punctual and that type of thing. Those those people all transitioned into full-time jobs. So I think a lot of people that start doing it start to see it as a career. Um, the freelance end of it is is extremely difficult to to make a living. We use freelance photographers. Um, Throughout our sports seasons and graduation season with our business, mm-hmm. and those uh, are talented photographers. They're they're prompt, they're courteous, they represent your brand well. Mm-hmm. Um, but to come across somebody like that is a find, and you try to compensate them, but it's you can uh, compensation only goes so far. Somebody that's the ideal freelancer is mm-hmm. either uh, for, for news anyway is either doing it to supplement their income or retired or possibly both um, somebody trying to build and back that up for a minute. When, when somebody provides that freelance news, you're taking the images, but you're also taking information from them. You're relying, your reputation is based on the information provided. If you if you have somebody that's, that's desperate to sell or desperate for your approval, um you would and I've seen it happen in Rhode Island where information's been embellished and mm-hmm. that is a, a, a retraction is the nightmare of any news agency right yeah and that washes people out quickly um your your integrity and in your own brand is important as the brand you're providing for mm-hmm. and that's that's a hard find sometimes um the the correct person the right person for it is a person who has the the photography skill that's capable of understanding depth of field, um, F-stop in relation to speed and ISO Mm -hmm. and not somebody who sets their camera on automatic that they bought for Christmas and walks out the door because ultimately that doesn't cover it,
1: Yeah, you know? Um, How do you, are you glad that you got those um, opportunities when you did that pushed you in this direction?
2: Sure. My daughter's probably happier than I am that I had those opportunities, but yeah. yeah, it was, uh, I saw a heck of a lot, yeah. literally thousands of jobs over the course of, of five years that, you know, range from, uh, double homicides, house fires, accidents, drownings, boat accidents, plane crashes. I mean, literally everything you could, you wow. could imagine.
1: Well, I imagine you would have gone to a lot of these scenes as a firefighter anyway. Um, sure have, yeah. Uh, yeah. Do they look? How do these scenes look different when you're there in the capacity as a journalist, as opposed to as an emergency responder?
2: You're in front of the yellow line or behind the yellow line. <laughs> it's uh, I, I I do find um, the New Hampshire law enforcement fire community is much much more receptive hmm. um, to the press than they are they were in Rhode Island. Um, and it doesn't mean that those departments in Rhode Island were bad. Some of them have have real strict protocols where their crime scene tape is two telephone poles up, and mm-hmm. that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, others will let you into the scene, you know, at a reasonable distance. They've gotten to know you over time. Uh, New Hampshire's within reason. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're pretty easy to work with. I, I should say. I shouldn't say New Hampshire, I should say locally here in the Lakes region.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I find departments to be uh, very cooperative, very receptive.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you find that you're able to develop uh, relationships with particular uh, personnel so that they recognize you when when you show up on a, to a scene?
2: They see you, yeah. and, and they get to know you after a while. I just recently had a um, Laconia firefighter reach out, to uh, look for a couple of the images uh, from a recent uh, commercial fire that we had here. So, yeah, you do get to know them. And I've met other police officers and firefighters locally that first responders tend to gravitate to each other and can pick each other out in a crowd. So even in social environments and and other friends that I've met here are also involved in in serving the community locally.
1: So, so far we've had uh, integrity, uh, technical skill, and also personability to be able to establish those relationships um, because I'm sure that helps uh, with doing the work as well.
2: I think if you go into these news gathering situations with a sense of entitlement Mm -hmm. or sprouting off about your freedom of the press and, and you, you know, Mm -hmm. you reap what you sow Uh and you go a lot farther with Sugar than salt. It's, <laughs> yeah. uh, it takes a long time to, to cultivate relationships. Um, it's how you represent those who you're photographing,
1: uh-huh. you know. Is it different to see your work? Um, I guess my question is, what is it like to see your work broadcast or published when the work is to, is depicting a scene that maybe most people may be unhappy to see if you know what I mean like something like uh, usually the kind of work that you're called out for is tr- at some level tragedy
2: nobody's happy to see us period yeah it's um, for me I hope I provided as many sides to a the incident that were possible. Sometimes it's not possible to provide all the sides of what's unfolding in front of you. Sometimes it's simply the carnage. Sometimes it's the human aspect to it. Um, ultimately, it's not the freelancer who picks the content that plays. Right. It's, it's the editors and you hope that your editors have a human side also. And, and when you get a little bit of that, the, the scenario and the job becomes a little bit easier.
1: I, if I could uh, make sure I'm understanding what you're saying, it's sort of there might be a photo that's cropped in close to, uh, let's say, a car crash, for example. But there might be another shot that's zoomed out a little bit so that you can see the emergency responders helping the person in the car crash. Is that the difference you're talking about?
2: It is that that you can see somebody. Trapped. of course you wouldn't want to show the person trapped but you can show um the scene depicting someone trapped in the vehicle in the Mm -hmm. carnage and in the the bent metal um but if you pull back on it a little bit you show the three firefighters leaning against each other with the hearse tools trying to free the victim from the car Mm -hmm. that's the story yeah you know there was the accident there was the effort to save lives Mm -hmm. um there was a particular out, outlet in Rhode Island with the, with the mindset of it bleeds, it leads. Yeah. And um, there are, you know, that's mm-hmm. certainly their prerogative. Their, their money is also green too. And <laughs> you're out there at three, four, five in the morning to sell. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't give you a decent feeling about what you're doing.
1: Hmm. Um, I'd like to ask you specifically about uh, some recent, uh, a recent situation that you helped cover for the Laconia Daily Sun uh, involving um, a shooting a police shooting in Guilford um, this was something that has driven the news cycle for many days here and has caused a lot of um, a lot of grief just the situation in general um, but I was curious what it was like for you as a person to to provide the coverage of it to to help tell that story that we needed to tell whether we wanted to or not.
2: I think. That particular story um, is different for me. Um, I know the victim's family. Mm -hmm. Um, I had one opportunity to to meet one of the two officers that were involved in it. Mm -hmm. Interactions with the family have always been pleasant. Mm -hmm. Good, helpful people. Kind. And I met the officer and he was kind and he was helpful in the interaction I had with him. Um, I saw the dad's face that night and I saw that officer's face when he was walking out and there was pain on both of them and different, different level of pain. Of course, one, you know, one had lost a, lost a son, um, profound effect all the way around everybody involved, community included Mm -hmm. tough, super tough.
1: It was, I think, tough for us, too. It was a, involved a family that was known to many people. And I think in, in a lot of ways, that incident um, is, uh, is an example of kind of what it's like to do this kind of work in this market, as opposed to a larger market where it's just a small town type of uh, feel. Even in, though we work in a city, it's still a small town type of feel. And and the longer you work here, the rarer it is to encounter people that you actually have never met before. Oftentimes, um, we do know the people, or at least the families involved, in the names of the uh, people that are that are come across our newspaper. Um, have you found that it's different? Have you have you encountered that different feel in since you started working in, in the Lakes region as opposed to what it might have been in in uh, Rhode Island.
2: It's happened to me twice, hmm. where I've known people involved in different incidents here in the Lakes region, and we had a plane clip a building that was landing. Uh, I don't know a few months back. Yeah, and uh, I knew the guy who has his business in the building. Huh. It's it's definitely a, a small town aspect versus super large media market. Where in five years. I don't think I ever saw anybody I knew outside of police officers and firefighters, it seems. Huh. Um, it was, it was mainly uh, inner city work.
0: Uh-huh.
2: Not all, but, you know, probably 70% of it. Um, this is safer, <laughs> first uh-huh. and foremost. Uh-huh. Um, second of all, it's, it's, these are still situations Um if you're there with a the camera in your hands, somebody's having the worst day of their life.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Or close to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, But you tend to see people you know either standing on the sidelines or, or that are involved in it. I, I do anticipate that. It's not a comfortable feeling. You don't want that, that's for sure. But it's happened to me twice mm-hmm. where the people I know have been directly involved in what I'm photographing. Mm-hmm. It's different, that's for sure.
1: Yeah. And if you don't know them now, there's a chance that you may come to know them later, uh, which is even uh, an even less comfortable situation.
2: Yeah. Uh, uh, If you're out and about, there's certainly a chance of running into somebody. So so many
1: restaurants around here. Yeah. Do you feel that that changes the way that you actually go about your work? Or is it the same thing? It just might feel a little different.
2: It doesn't change it. Mm -hmm. It's um, what's provided is the same. You know, the, the, there's what is provided and uploaded online to to the newsroom. You may think you, you know you think one particular shot is oh this this is the one this is great and then then you see the paper the following day and like oh I guess they didn't think like that. Yeah. So you don't you don't change what you do. You provide a cross section, a little bit of everything, different views, different takes, different angles, tight composition, loose composition. Um, Maybe even throw in some shots that are done with with uh, with a flash versus ambient lighting, uh-huh. and you let the you let the editors pick. So it doesn't change what you do because you might know somebody. It it'll change how you feel inside, but
1: not what you're producing. Uh-huh. What do you like to shoot when you're not working?
2: Um. Well, not shoot, but. <laughs> <laughs> i'd like some ice in the lakes region i bought a new bob house this year i enjoy fishing okay um i have a motorcycle the wife and i enjoy spending our time on a beautiful boat yeah um that we're uh we're gonna trailer this year instead of leave it a marina Uh and uh enjoy the lake and
1: uh yeah
2: try to relax a little bit enjoy life our our daughters are grown Uh and uh this is this is phase two
1: yeah so you leave the camera at home when you're not working yes definitely actually
2: not really there's always a there's always a camera in my truck in my wife's car there's another camera that's part of the 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 freelance um you know stringer content provider type scenario there's a scanner in my wife's car there's a scanner in my kitchen there's a scanner on my nightstand uh-huh Fortunately, my wife has grown up with this, uh, grown up has lived with this for the 30 plus years we've been married. That does to her, it's just background chatter. She can perfectly go to sleep with the scanner on half volume in the bedroom, it doesn't bother her at all. Few women are probably capable of that. <laughs> She's one of them, yeah. And uh, there's pretty much a radio everywhere. If, if you don't have that kind of commitment mm-hmm. to listening. And, and hearing different things. And sometimes you just catch a fragment of it. You know, you mm-hmm. were talking and you missed it. So now you, you back up. Now you're like, Oh geez, I got to listen. They, sometimes it takes, there was a, um, an incident in Tufton involving the sheriff's department and a, and a shot fired. And I had spoken with the editor and I had the basics of what happened. There was a deputy that was shot at looking for this person. It appears that they found him. It's barricaded. And I had everything but where it was. And it took me almost a half an hour. They were not putting out the address. It's an officer safety thing. Yeah. It's understandable. They were, they were bringing in uh, you know, tactical teams and that kind of thing. And um, it took a half an hour to figure out where they were. You know, Most of it was figured out driving towards Tufnaburro with troopers following me. <laughs> and you'd see him turn in the distance, and I'm like, all right, that's a good start, I'll turn there. and <laughs> Right towards the very end, I would, they staged an ambulance. Uh, the commander of the incident staged an ambulance. Uh-huh. And I was able to hear where they staged the ambulance at, which is in mm-hmm. proximity to it. But you would it's not always so easy to figure mm-hmm. out what's going on. That's, I think, where the, the years of fire department that kind of stuff comes up.
1: yeah. And when you're, uh, and I've uh, done the same thing, kind of followed uh, followed emergency vehicles. There's a um, there's a, a gray area, which is how well you follow them versus how much space you allow. And I'm not talking about specifically the like feet behind the vehicle. I'm talking about when a scene is being set up they may not have the time. Their first priority is not to set up the cordon for the press. Their first priority is to, is to is to arrive on the scene and assess the scene. So how do you go about figuring out how close you should be versus how much space you should allow for the emergency responders to do their work?
2: I look at every scene as a firefighter, where they're going to want to bring the ladder into the front of the building to stick the roof and uh-huh. – um, that you know they're gonna have they have their first two engine stretching their attack lines. They're gonna bring in uh, a tanker, most likely. Could locally, you don't know, have hydrants everywhere. Uh-huh. Um, I look at it from a firefighting standpoint. You'll have a relay engine somewhere. There's gonna be a, a long layout to to a tanker task force in the road, and those are the kind of things that I see. Uh-huh. Probably I, I would think that most people pull up and they're like, well, oh, the house is on fire?" But <laughs> it's I, I look at it as more. Uh, tactical view right. of how they're going to set this up. Okay. And uh, and that tells me probably uh, when I parked at those incidents, that's how I'm looking at it first. And the second thing I'm thinking of is how do I not get boxed in and be here till six o'clock in the morning? So you yep. you tend to get good at it pretty quick unless you want to spend five, seven hours on a job.
1: <laughs> yeah. For, for the one picture that the editor will buy the next day. True. Thing. Yeah. Um, well, I, Gary, that's um, answered my questions for you. Julie, did you have any questions for Gary? I think we've covered everything. Yeah, is there anything more that you'd like to say? No, thank you for your time. All right, well, thank you very much.
0: The Granite Beat is a project of the Granite State News Collaborative in partnership with the Laconia Daily Sun. We record at the Lakeport Opera House and our theme music is composed by Bob McCarthy. Thanks also to the Marlon Fitzwater Center at Franklin Pierce University for editing and other support.